Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this Tuesday, September 5th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home. That has probably served our area since 1880. Spencer Punic, Verzellini, and... Blah, 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 blah. Excuse me, sorry. I was going to say, Colin McLaughlin and Dylan Bishop. This is the one day this week we'll have Dylan Bishop on the show. Three-day weekend made you a little rusty. Yeah. Well, no. I Like, it was weird on, on Wednesday of last week. Nobody's cheering I was for so used to not... To having you on the show, Thanks, I'm Nick. pretty sure I had to stop myself. I said, Colin McLaughlin, and that's it. That's our show. We need a live studio audience for the show. I think it will work. Where would they sit? We put them in this corner. Wait, which corner? That corner. Think corner. Put them behind you? Behind me? Yeah, I think or behind we just, you. It's the most space. The most space yeah. or we just yeah. start doing the show like at random places. Or that. We could. And just have, like, but then somebody has to stay back. Hire a producer. Yeah, go ahead. How much money you got in your in your wallet right now? I got now, a whole Nick? dollar because I wanted that's our producer our budget. Bet with Mike, which I don't know again if I am owed more money or what the case is, but I yeah, you got it. a dollar at least. Penn State covered, and it was a York County kid scoring the touchdown to cover for me. So I appreciate that, Bo Pribla. There you go from Central um, York High School. We'll get into that more later on. Let's first talk some high school football here in the Mountain State. We'll talk about the game that we had on. As uh, Martinsburg able to come out in shellac here, Stonebridge. <laughs> Sorry, they shellac Stonebridge forty-one to seven. Not that I didn't anticipate Martinsburg being this good, I just anticipated Stonebridge being a little bit better, having seen them under Coach Thompson forever. Uh, but uh, Martinsburg had their number almost the entire game, guys. Yeah, uh, Stonebridge just got outworked in the trenches like there was not really much room to maneuver in the run game and they didn't really have much of a pass game but when they did there was you know Rashad Reed and the likes were blasting through the line and you know they had some things they were able to get going with a couple jet sweeps that they could you know get something going on the, on the outside here and there but th- that that was about it so Martinsburg just completely dominated, and the offense was pretty much just as good. So they it was way more lopsided than I expected it to be. Yeah, I expected a much closer game. Just looking at these two teams on paper, I thought uh, even though the at least last year with the same defensive line, Martinsburg was dominant in the run stop, and that's kind of where Stonebridge is coming from with that hybrid wing T is they they're a run first team and if that falls apart you can't really be one dimensional can't play from behind if you're Stonebridge and for them they had to play from behind the entire game and they had some shots that looked all right in the passing game just had some underthrown balls that the Martinsburg secondary was able to catch up behind and deflect and break up but yeah from start to finish Martinsburg was just clear and above the better team than Stonebridge and we were saying all week long and even Martinsburg was saying 
throughout that week in preparation this is most likely going to be the toughest team we play this year and to see that score line for martinsburg with that in mind it's just going to keep getting better and better from here for them yeah i mean it does seem like stonebridge may be a little bit down this year they're starting zero and two but they did still a quality program i mean they have d1 kids on their team so it's not like you know they were playing somebody that is typically down and and even if it is a what's a down year for them i think will be something that we'll have to wait and see you know a down year for them may still be six seven wins uh just kind of have played some really tough teams on their schedule as well so it'll be tough to read i think how good this stonebridge team is but just based on the quality of the program and to get that kind of win um against a legendary head coach like coach thompson I think it says a lot of good things about Martinsburg in this early part of the season. And now, you know, just looking at it on paper, you really don't expect them to lose or or play a a close game until the playoffs again. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that Stonebridge's other loss to James Madison week one. James Madison, you know, at least according Spencer knows more about the Virginia high school scene, but, you know, they're they're a really good team in Yeah, they're 6A. a really good rival. They're a 6A team. My mom actually graduated from James Madison High School. Oh, wow. Uh, but, so I know a little bit more about them. But, yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning that that's who they played, and they lost by getting a go-ahead f- touchdown with two or three minutes left in the yeah. game and then james madison took back the ensuing kickoff to get their own go ahead and eventually game winning touchdown so it was a very close game between the two yeah and, and i think for them they're going to use those first these first two games as fuel because they got a next tough next couple next few weeks i should say because uh, they're not used to this adversity starting the season 0-2. Uh, they're going to have to play two really good teams to finish their non-conference schedule. Uh, they'll play Woodgrove, who's 0-2. They'll get a, probably get an easy win against Woodgrove on Friday. And then they're going to play Quince Orchard out of Gaithersburg and then Our Lady of Good Counsel out of Olney. Our Lady of Good Counsel's in the uh, CAC, the Catholic, Catholic Athletic Conference, uh, with all those other private schools in the D.C. area. So that's their toughest rest of their schedule. So they could finish 6-4 and four and still head into the playoffs and still be a dominant team with the test that they had to go through in 5A. Right. And, and, I mean, Coach even pointed out that he really didn't want to play those schools, but that's just kind of how their schedule worked, worked out. out because nobody else wanted to play them. So uh, it's kind of similar to what Martinsburg's faced. And, uh, you know, this week I think they got boys Ladin seems to be a winnable game against a team that – isn't really known for its football program, more known for its lacrosse. So uh, we'll see how they're able to fare this week. But it looks like the Bulldogs are on the right path toward success this year and then uh, really good win to start the year here 2-0 and now. Yeah, we'll break down. We'll preview that game later on in the week. Dylan, you had something to say? I think that was nah. Colin. No, Colin. I was about to yeah. say, it was just – a true coming out party it seemed like for koi fegan is something that yeah. i feel like we should yeah. definitely talk yards? about uh 164 net 64 yards net. on the ground and then receiving yards for koi it says uh three catches for 24 yards so 188 in total with the two rushing touchdowns so fantastic game for him as a junior really coming to the scene for the varsity level i know we got to see him as a freshman two years ago jv kind of hearing about him in the wings last year didn't have a jv game but got to hear about him and see him in some uh downtime last year i think um, garbage time i think is kind of the term that i'm trying to come up with in my head but 
to see him in the backfield for this team he's going to be a really solid running back this year and then quarterback probably next year and they could potentially use him as a guy that you know throws the ball from the running back spot you could run a trick play with a guy like Coy Fagan and to have that kind of both your quarterback running back uh, can throw and and can do a lot of different things with that if if Martinsburg needs to get creative and, and use some different plays but I think it looks like Martinsburg is looking really sharp early in the year. Not a whole lot of mistakes, and I think Coach Walker has kind of brought that in this year to this team. Well, it's also uh, early, so you never know how that playbook can be. You never know what you can pull out of a playbook later on in the season. Double passes, you know, things along those lines. Right, and those that's kind of the same sort of situation they were using at parts of last year where they had Ezra Bajan at quarterback. And exactly. once you know, they got uh, injuries, guys like, you know, Xavier Kendall, or uh, went down they would you know sometimes have zion grant them in the backfield so sometimes they'd put murphy clement back there and they, they moved murphy all around last year yeah. wide receiver when there was wide receiver injuries running back quarterback everywhere so kind of the same a little bit of the same situation where coach sherman was moving that quarterback got second guy in the backfield that could throw a pass if he ever wanted him to yeah uh speaking of that game before the game i uh, got a to see tyson bajan come out he was I guess the ceremonial coin tosser. So uh, there's a video on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page. Uh, People really eating up on Facebook. I think it's been viewed like 50,000 times and has like 12,000 likes already. Everybody loves Tyson. Excuse me. Everybody Uh, loves Tyson. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, It's got 50.5 thousand views. That's where I was getting there. Uh, but uh, if you want to see that him him throw out throw up the coin for the coin toss, you can watch that on our Twitter or Facebook pages. Uh, but let's move on here. Talk some other EPAC scores. Uh, we'll go down. Uh, Hedgesville gets a twenty-five to seven win over Double A Kaiser, and uh, can report this week. We do have some stats on hand from a player that people were asking about last week in the comments Aiden Fleming had three sacks 11 tackles three tackles for loss in their 25 to 7 victory so uh, if people were looking for those stats we do have those stats this week because they were tweeted out on Twitter we weren't there but uh, Aiden Fleming did tweet them out along with the subtle highlights so yeah um, you know good win for Hedgesville early on things well the score was wrong on metro news it had said it was 13-7 kaiser so i was a little bit worried about the eagles early on but it appears it was 13-7 hedgesville um but it was pretty close early i think and then it seemed like hedgesville uh pulled away so they did what they were supposed to do and i think that's the type of score you would expect in that kind of game because kaiser does have a good program down there at double a uh so for them to be relatively close against Hedgesville I think that's to be expected so that's a good week two win after you know a really bad performance week one it seems like they fixed some things and got back on track in week two and we'll see if they can you know win these non-conference games like we're expecting them to and head into Washington three and one as we kind of expected Hedgesville to be at at that point yeah it's nice to see for Hedgesville that they were able to control that game it seemed like from start to finish even though we weren't there it wasn't a blowout game which you didn't really expect because as you said nick kaiser a very talented double a team though so you still expected hedgesville to take control and win comfortably but not blow them out and that's exactly what happened yeah it was a nice get right game for them let's try to get on the back back on the right track get some positive momentum going we'll see if see how well it keeps transferring over week by week 
They'll take on Hampshire this week. They're also one and one, but going back to the AAA level. Let's continue down. You guys talked Washington. Washington fell Saturday, thirty-seven to nineteen, to Governor Thomas Johnson out of Maryland. That was their GTJ's first game of the season. Uh, obviously, we'll talk. When are we talking with Coach Ray tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow on the show. Tomorrow, twelve oh eight, right? Yep. Tomorrow, twelve oh eight, we'll talk with Coach Ray about that game. Obviously, we talked to him last week, and they were able to win against probably a weaker opponent uh, with not doing everything that they had wanted to do. So we'll see what the, what it was there. But I mean, it's it's a, you know you can't expect them to just you know win every single game. It's the first season under head coach Ray uh, trying to change the culture, trying to change the offense. You know, two totally different schemes. So it's not you can't expect a whole lot every week out of them. You're not going to go from last to first exactly you know, yeah. all of a sudden in one year it's going to take a little bit it's a uh, process right but i don't think that was necessarily a bad outing 37 19 um i thought they had a chance to win that game on paper but didn't really know too much about governor thomas johnson so they might have you know made some big jumps this year maybe they were a young team last year whatever the case may be so it doesn't sound like it was a bad performance necessarily just probably some things that they need to clean up uh, moving forward but the fact that they're you know consistently putting up points on the board and you know having that aspect to it it looks like the offense it seems to be working pretty well um because last year there was times when they didn't really have any offensive movement of the football so that's at least a positive that i can take away just yeah. looking at it from you know a distance that was my same takeaway it's at least progress on the offensive side that that, that wing t offense that they had last year when you don't really have the bodies up front. We saw Stonebridge tried to run the wing tee, and then once they ran up against better and bigger, stronger athletes at Martinsburg, that we saw the result. So when you have the lesser resources of a Washington where you were having trouble getting people coming out for the team, then you really start to have trouble. You know, if you can't build a good line up front, that whole running style offense is just going to break down from the beginning so it's at least a good sign that they are able to put points up on the board consistently you know week one getting that big win and then still putting up almost 20 points uh in a loss yeah huge uh let's continue on talk uh muscleman they beat loudon valley out of virginia 22 to 15 in overtime and nick would you text us after oh, yeah, Coach Thomas doesn't lose close games. He's now 5-0 and in his last five one-score games. So, him and Musselman. So, I mean, that certainly has been, you know, kind of a strength of this team. They challenge themselves in the non-conference schedule. They play close games, and they usually find ways to win those games, um, which has been very impressive. You know, this game this week, it was kind of a weird game. It was no score at halftime. Uh, then the two teams kind of picked it up a little bit. Musselman was driving down the field and, um, you know, interception there uh, kind of derailed their drive, but then the game goes into overtime and they end up finding a way to win. So, Yeah, looking at the box score, the stats, Eli Fleming uh, doesn't have the game he probably wanted to have. 14 to 2230 yards, one touchdown to two interceptions. But Blake Sanders, once again, impressing on the ground. 16 carries, 86 yards, two touchdowns. 
Uh, he's just really come out of nowhere for this team. He was the second guy on the two deep. They had Dalton Haynes, and then you obviously have Zach Miller, who's kind of a, a quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Like He could probably do it all if they needed to. He was obviously the backup last year for uh, Baden Hartman. But uh, no Dalton Haynes on the stat sheet, uh, but Blake Sanders impresses the young sophomore. Yeah, we saw Haynes go down during that week one game that we had, and – Sanders just stepped right in like no problem running behind that offensive line it was a good offensive line that helps out and he you know Sanders has a lot of burst uh, explosiveness gets up to top speed pretty quickly and he's really hard to bring down it was hard to just have one guy tackle him in that first game against John Hanley so that that makes for a good guy to have uh, with Eli Fleming that kind of one-two punch you can be a dynamic two-way offense you can pass and run i I think if you want to be number two in the epac this year musselman's the team to beat yeah musselman looking good so far and the thing for them though talked about their schedule is that the toughness of it is just going to keep growing and growing i mean yeah great win against loudon valley definitely a gritty win in overtime something that you love to see but now something that you haven't seen they get to go on the road how can they play on the road and how can they play against morgantown a team that right now is looking to be another top team in the state coming off a 22 14 win over bridgeport last week in a top 10 matchup in the state so they've only allowed 14 points this entire season that the two touchdowns against bridgeport because they shut out south charleston 65 nothing in week one can't really measure much from that because south charleston have another rough year we'll get to that later on hopefully in this show kind of talking about them and some other teams but can they go on the road compete with a team at morgantown's caliber or something i'm really looking forward to because i know all four of us in this room think musselman can be that number two team in the epac and a team in the playoffs that people were talking about going deep potentially yeah i think that's the question you know how far can they go and and a win over morgantown would certainly send a statement that musselman is not only one of the best teams around here but one of the best teams in the state yeah i would tend to agree xavier pollard two sacks in the game according to max prep stats i believe that comes right from their huddle so those should be official stats uh moving on spring mills shuts out albert gallatin out of pennsylvania 41 nothing i do believe uh after the third quarter the reserves came in i think if i saw that on twitter correctly uh it was kind of a slow start it was only a what was that 14 to nothing lead uh or 16 no it's 14 nothing lead for spring mills at halftime and then they score they would go on to score uh 27 more points in the second half third quarter 13 fourth quarter 14 uh but they're now one and one they improve uh they get the huge win for their season their home opener in front of their home fans and uh coach marcus law interim head coach marcus law's first win as the head of the program i think it just shows the improvement that spring mills has made over the last three years they lost albert gallatin two years ago uh beat them last year but allowed some points, and then this year they shut them out. So I yeah. think it just shows the growth of that program. And uh, not really a, a big win necessarily in terms of who they beat, but I think the team has just gotten better from year one of doing this to where we are now in year three. Yeah, I would say that. You look around the state, uh, as Colin mentioned, uh, some pretty 
I uh, mind-boggling scores. Uh, we'll, we're just going to read out the scores, and then we'll talk about this. Uh, number one Huntington beats South Charleston, shuts them out 86 to nothing. Uh, Hurricane number three beats uh, Capital 93 to seven. Nick mentioned Morgantown beating Bridgeport 22-14 in a big matchup there. Uh, Cab or Colin, sorry. You're fine. Uh, Cabell Midland beats Spring Valley 28 to 20. Spring Valley now starting 0 and 2 on the season. Park South beats University 72 34. Uh, what a, what other games? 49 to 8. Wheeling Park gets a win over a PA team, Brashear. Um, what else? Any other mind boggling? Parkersburg over Riverside 47 to nothing. Double A Nitro over St. Albans 84 to 6. And then a close one uh, against Greenbrier or Greenbrier Briar East and Woodrow Wilson, 42-39. But Woodrow Wilson comes out on top. A lot of mind-boggling scores uh, the other night and caused a stirred up a lot on Twitter about the transfer portal. Yeah, a lot of people are saying now, looking at some of these scores, and I highlighted four, I think, uh, one single A that was 70 to nothing or 70 to 6 as well. 60 to 14. There, there's been some lopsided games, which you're used to in high school football. You, you get those games. There's teams that are clearly better than others, and it's going to be ugly. We've seen that time and time again with Martinsburg throughout its history. But I don't but think you see we haven't three seen, plus 84-point yeah. scores. And somebody does week. the scores every week. In one week. You don't see you don't teams see that, that are scoring 70-plus, 80-plus South Charleston's been shut out 151 to nothing in two games. 161, I think. 151. 151? Okay. Yeah. I thought for some reason I heard 161 and then the other was 169 like, points allowed. Like, they're not that kind of program. Two years ago, they were really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they had... about South Charleston? Yeah. Well, they just won the state championship. Well, <laughs> yeah, kind of. They, they didn't they really did, win the state did. championship. But they were in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. You can still argue that. And they they were a good they team. Won. 151 to nothing. <laughs> they won a state championship. They were, they were awarded this. They were awarded the state championship would be how we should say it. And because I can't wait yeah. to survive the COVID poll. This. Yeah. Say, is it a legitimate one? That's up to you. But yeah. it, it was one. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing is, though, they were a good team. Yeah. And, and they shouldn't be losing this bad and they were bad last year but they weren't this bad and and i mean you know i don't want to come on and just hate on kids because i feel like that would be a bad way of and that's not what we're saying but this seems to be due to the transfer portal and there seems to be a lot of issues with this like nitro has not been good in the past and then all of a sudden they're beating st albans what 86 to 7 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was like that didn't happen before at nitro so that's a little fishy right all of a sudden they're they're this good um, so I feel like I, when this happened, I thought eh, it won't be that big of a deal, probably because how many kids are really going to transfer? And then I was like, but if they do transfer like this, and especially at these schools and in the state where we live in, where a lot of the schools are all really close to each other and then spread out and then all really close to each other and then spread out. So there's like little areas where it's not that far to go from spring mills to jefferson or whatever you're gonna do and it's not that unrealistic to go from nitro to huntington or whatever so it's like this is kind of fishy this is or hurricane to nitro yeah or whatever the case is south charleston to nitro anywhere in that so 
Charleston. I don't know if fishy is the right word because when you say fishy, I mean, I guess it is jump to against the the thought of recruiting with this, not just the transfer rule. Yes, there has been some. It seems like accusations, accusations, and teams that have gotten in trouble. But yes, that I feel like is better to say. It seems like this transfer rule, which some people thought could be a good thing and still might be in some ways, right now is not looking good at all. There are teams that. Honestly, it seems like programs should not exist because of how bad it is right now. I think some of the schools are like down so bad in numbers now, too, for their team. Yeah. They may I mean, not be able to put a team. Capital and South Charleston, years. I was listening in, for the two weeks so far, I've given up a combined 300 points. Two teams. 150 each. That's 75 a game. Horrible. Yeah. That there, should not happen. There and they used to be, be good programs. And Capital it used, used to, to be, be good programs, too. but because of this transfer rule, it's teams like Capital, South Charleston, St. Albans, that have gotten completely ravaged. Wiped ravaged. out. Yeah. Wiped out because of this rule. Well, now I feel for South Charleston because they got to go up against Parkersburg. Parkersburg just beat a team 4 They'll put up 100. Nothing. Parkersburg won five. Parkersburg, I think, the past two weeks has scored 60-plus points in their games. There needs to be some sort of restrictions on this. There needs, like, I appreciate the idea. 56-47. 56. I was close. I appreciate the idea that we can give these athletes a little bit of flexibility to say, hey, you know, if you're a really good, you know, athlete at a school that, you know, is not very good at football, this uh, that you can transfer to somewhere else to get better recognition get better coaching hopefully it can turn into a college offer for you but it's kind of just there's no it's kind of the same thing as ncaa we're seeing nil NIL where yeah there's no like there's no reining this in at all and it's resulting in just everyone's Everyone from one school that's good leaving, going to another one that's already, you know, getting in all the players from two other schools, and those three schools are wiped out, and this one's a super team now. There, I don't know how you do it, but there needs to be some sort of restriction. Maybe you say, you know, a team can only have so many transfers from other schools play on but their then team. How's that fair to the other kids? Right, want to transfer? So I feel like it's just kind of a bad rule that shouldn't have been put into place. Because I feel like there's more negative than positive overall. But I, I could be wrong here. But it just, I feel like if you want to transfer, you know, you should have to sit out. I, I just think it causes more problems yeah. than good things because now we're seeing high schools that can't even compete, can't even put up points in a game. I mean, that's, yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, there's honestly no way to fix this. I, I don't want to make a kid sit out. It's still high school kids we're talking about that are trying to further but their careers. But what's really the difference between you playing at Nitro High School and playing at th- South There's Charleston. not. I, I, I'm, I'm not you. saying there is. I completely agree with you in that. And right now it seems like the only way to fix it is getting rid of the rule completely because you, you can't just now go to a four-class system and try to take away the bad teams in the triple a move them to stay in triple a and have these good teams in 4a because kids are still going to transfer i'm with it's not going to change unless you just get rid of the rule completely nick where um you know guys are going to get noticed if you're good enough even if it's at a small school that's usually bad like you're going to get noticed to a certain extent maybe not to the certain extent that you might want to but you will get it like we saw it from the college to NFL level, 
Tyson Bagent was recognized from NFL scouts. But I know that's a, you know not high school to college, but it's still the same sort of idea there, where people will find you if the talent is there. People will find talent. You're telling, then, me, you're telling me no one would would have found Murphy Clement if he still lived in Berkeley Springs? I don't know. But the SSAC didn't make this rule either, which is the tough thing, but they're the ones that have to manage it and decide it and have these discussions on how to deal with it because they can't change it. This yeah. is a government rule. So, yeah. All right, well, that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Parsons Ford, Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll talk Shepherd football. They come back to get a win, and WVU unfortunately falls to Penn State. We'll talk about that on the other side of this two-minute break. You're tuned in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10 back in two minutes. Think of losing you. With four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states, Parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area. Take Parsons Ford with huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, financing from 0%, Parsons' goal of financing for all, and Parsons' famous above-market trade-in allowances that help make Parsons number one for used cars, too. See why so many won't buy anywhere but Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. At the Berkeley County Health Department, our motto is prevent, promote, protect. Since 1935, our mission has been to provide clinical and environmental services to protect the health of the general public. We're committed to building public health in our community by offering a wide range of services, including blood pressure screening, breast and cervical screening, family planning, counseling, lab testing, and more. We perform health inspections to make sure the restaurants you visit are clean, and we prepare and coordinate plans to respond to all hazards. The Berkeley County Health Department, 122 Waverly Court, Martinsburg. The Palace Lounge in Martinsburg is the place to be. Join us every night to relax and enjoy football or basketball games featuring either the Martinsburg Bulldogs, Shepherd University Rams, or West Virginia Mountaineers. We will have steak night every Wednesday, trip nights every Thursday, and now taco and margarita nights every You can find us on Facebook or call 304-267-7520. The Palace Lounge is located at 1350 Edwin Miller Boulevard in Martinsburg. Martinsburg proved once again that they're top dogs in the area. However, the boys Lenton Lakers come to Martinsburg this Friday night and are looking to put on a show. They're ready to go. The snap from Kaufman to Clemente hands it off to Fagan and Fagan breaks through the middle on the near sideline. The quarterback didn't realize him and he goes right by him into the end zone. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 p.m. with kickoff set for 7. Right here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Rest in peace to a legend, Jimmy Buffett passed away over the weekend. I'm going to miss the sound of Jimmy Buffett. He's also like, it's crazy to see the business ventures that he had. That was like, his success. Like, like just, he owned Margaritaville. Like, I just thought he was like a partner in it huh? that somebody decided to. But we were down there in Myrtle Beach. Like, he owns like 30 of them, plus like a bunch of stuff at airport hotels. That, that's how resorts. he became a billionaire. It wasn't his albums that really ever kind of got him popular. It was because he had such great 
live events, his concerts. He made millions off of every night. And he was still doing them up until, I believe, mm-hmm. last year. So, rest in peace to a legend. Jimmy it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It is 5 o'clock the somewhere. The lead singer of Smash Mouth also passed away. Yeah. So, yeah. Two big two uh, legends. artists, um, you know, passing away over the weekend and definitely sad news to hear about this stuff. And it wasn't over the weekend. Man. Bob Barker, legendary. Yeah. yeah. Show, game show host, uh, passed away last week. So, All right. Some more positive news here. Uh, Shepard gets the win 27-26 over, or was it 27 or 28? 27-26 over uh, Southern Connecticut State. Here's Nick's call of the final touchdown with under 30 seconds left. A good position. First and 10 from the 12. Morgan in the shotgun. 28 seconds. Seth Morgan takes the snap. He's under some pressure. He throws over the middle. And so touchdown, Shepard! Dustin Fisher with his first catch of the day. His first touchdown as a Ram. And it couldn't have come at a bigger moment there. So that was his first career catch, right, Nick? Yeah, first career catch for Dustin Fisher. All he does is score touchdowns. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because, of course, Travis had made that point because we had said that about Michael McCook in the past. And Dustin Fisher actually holds the state record for most touchdowns in the game in the state of Maryland eight, with eight. How'd you find that? Wow. It's on his bio in Shepard's oh. roster. So how about that? All there he does go. is score touchdowns, literally. Yeah. Uh, uh Kind of uh, getting tough there for Shepard at the end, but they were able to pull it out with that touchdown. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I said this on the game. You know, Seth Morgan, I thought he was a little. I don't. I don't know if nervous was the right word, but not wanting to make mistakes. He didn't and, throw picks, right? And I think that maybe cost him at times where he potentially missed some guys because he didn't want to necessarily risk it. And I think as the game went on, though, he stepped up in the big moment. And kind of at the end there, he was just kind of slinging it and playing with confidence and, and playing like he can, you know, do some big things for this team. So I think your perception of Seth Morgan changed throughout the game and you walk away feeling pretty good about this team. But also I think that Southern Connecticut State's gotten a lot better from the team we saw week one last year. They won three of their last five games. You know, they come in here and – they have a new quarterback in Keith Ridley, who's played at Bryant, played at Boston College, um, so he has you know some experience. He's he's been a lot, and you know he's very solid. And they come in and, and they play pretty well. And it's a brand new offense for Shepard. There's a lot of things that I think we're going against Shepard in this game that you would head into the and we kind of talked about on Friday that could make it a closer game than we initially expected. And that's what we got. And at the end of the day, though, Shepard stepped up when it needed to. Morgan drives him down the field, comes in clutch. And there was a lot of pressure on him, too. Yeah. Heading into 16 of 28, 233 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. Malachi Brown, 22 runs on the ground. He had a net of 94 yards and a touchdown. Jeremiah Taylor with seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown in his Shepard debut. Barry Hill had two big catches. Uh, but a real guy. Cordell Batten had two amazing catches in the game, two for 26. And then we obviously mentioned Dustin Fisher's one for 12 yards. Uh, but offensively, I think you have some weapons, especially in this true freshman and Cord- or, uh, Clayton Batten, or Cordell Batten, excuse me, Clayton's his brother, who's unfortunately out for the season with a knee injury. I think I came away from, like, while the game was going on, I was very, very worried. But I think the further out I get from it, there are reasons 
to not like, hit the panic button because I think obviously going from they beating won at the end of the day, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, going from beating this team, the same team last year, week one by forty one, and only beating them by one this time around is very concerning. But uh, I didn't think Seth Morgan was any was bad by any stretch of the imagination. I thought Malachi Brown was good, and I was really impressed by Jeremiah Taylor at wide receiver, especially and and Batten. But uh, Taylor really popped off this popped off the field to me, and you were missing some guys on defense that you weren't expecting. To Dwayne miss. Grantham. Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. There were a lot more injuries that we didn't expect. The eligibility issue that's going around. Shepard had some Which, guys out that we didn't expect. I do have an announcement to make. Once this is kind of, once they finish the part that they need to do, uh, Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush said he would come on the show and discuss everything that they had to go through this with what, whatever he could say. So we have that whenever they get this done and they self-report. Uh, but so Dwayne Grantham out, not sure the reason, but JT Comeyow came out and performed two sacks, 12 total tackles on the day. Uh, or two tackles for loss, excuse me, 12 total tackles on the day. Uh, you got a sack each from Muley and Bednarski in the middle there. Uh, but one guy I want to talk about, Miles Greer. Yeah, yeah that three punt return. returns, 134 yards, including that touchdown. Well, I was looking at some things about Miles Greer. Well, more so about punt returns at Shepard. Learned some interesting things. Shepard actually has the record. Uh, Booths, I believe his last name was, has the most touchdowns in a career on punt returns in NCAA history. I didn't know that. Because I was trying to figure out if the Miles Greer return was potentially the longest in Shepard history. I believe that would probably be 99 yards. I couldn't find an exact answer there. Uh, but in the 94 yards of Shepard football, or 94 years <laughs> of Shepard football, I feel like probably somebody took one back longer than 86 on a punt, but I don't know for certain. 86 was the longest I could find, but. Uh, not all the stats are up there, and I wasn't going back to 1925 or whatever to figure it out. But um, I at least did learn that they actually have the the record for the most touchdowns in a, in a career on a punt. So, I mean, that's insane to me that yeah. you know, he put up five in one season. Yeah, uh, but Greer comes out, has that return for a touchdown, three returns I mentioned, over 130 yards. Ronnie Dorsey out. Not sure if that's the eligibility question, which – just our thoughts could possibly be because he transferred in from a different school and he graduated high school in 2016 or 17 yeah. uh, could be the question that we have there but if he's in fact not eligible anymore i'm not worried about the punt return unit with miles greer after the day that he had no except yeah. for i'll be worried that no Hunter is going to kick it to him anymore this season. But also give credit to the guys blocking because yeah. he had a whole wall on that left side. Yeah. Like I don't think anybody even came close to really touching him. I thought he might be went out of bounds, and then he, he kept going. And I was like, well, there goes Greer down the sidelines. So. Down on the field next to Rick Kozlowski for that punt return, and he looked at me and just said, did you see how close his foot was to that sideline? Yeah. And he like pointed right to the very end of it. So it was really impressive, and I think that's something that seems – able to be replicated for the for the entire yeah. season you kick yeah. it to him he, Man, he's he seems explosive di- dynamic yeah Shepard gets a win 27 26 they're now one and oh they do fall one spot in the d2football.com poll because they came back to win by one point fall from 13 Fair. to 14 uh they take take on edinburgh saturday at edinburgh 12 noon kickoff will be there 
pregame coverage beginning at 11.30. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store any longer. Get your Traeger grills at Orsini's at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at Orsini's.com. We come back after this four-minute break. We'll wrap things up. We'll just put the last two breaks together. We'll wrap things up. Talk West Virginia and other college football thoughts from the weekend and a big weekend of college football and uh, a field was stormed last night. Talk about that as well when we wrap things up on the other side of this two-minute break. You're tuning in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10. I can't wait to get on the road again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call my parents. Dad, come over. Gets done. <laughs> the Traeger Connected Experience. Everything you need for epic flavor and then some. Shop now and save at Orsini's today. WV Medicine is proud once again to present the Bob Bariner Apple Trample 5K on Saturday, October 21st in conjunction with the 44th Mountain State Apple Harvest Festival. This is a great event for runners, walkers, and families to enjoy. Register by October 1st for the early bird rate. To register for the Apple Trample 5K, go online to the festival website at msahf.com. Be a part of this community tradition. Run or walk the Bob Bariner Apple Trample 5K. After a car accident, what do you get when you call Mansion Ferretti? You get more experience from a local law firm with over 115 years of combined service. More respect from a team who treats clients like their own family. And more fight because we want you to get every dollar you deserve. Experience, respect, results. If you've been injured, that's what you want in your lawyer. And that's what you'll get when you call us. Car accident? Get more with Mansion Ferretti. 304-264-8505. This is Eric at Hagerstown Ford. Over the last decade, the way we buy things have evolved. Now, you get on your phone, click Want It, and it shows up at your front door. At Hagerstown Ford, it is that convenient. We've changed the car buying experience on the I-81 corridor forever. And with a return policy better than Walmart, there's absolutely no reason to buy a newer used car, truck, or SUV anywhere else. Just like Amazon, Hagerstown Ford will deliver the vehicle to you, where you are. And on your time. And if you don't want it, return it. No questions asked. Why waste your time at a car dealership playing the dumb back and forth games? Besides, we hate it more than you do. I assure you, no dealership from Winchester, Virginia to Washington, D.C. will beat our price. No dealership from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania to Baltimore, Maryland will beat our price. And no other dealership will allow you to return it if you don't want it. Hagerstown Ford absolutely provides the best experience at the best price. Visit HagerstownFord.com to schedule your VIP experience. Click on the vehicle you want and get your new ride delivered to you at no risk. See dealer for details. Larry DeMarco team at Modern Realty Results believes buying a new home requires a dedicated team that cares about your needs and concerns. Our experienced team is from the area, and we care about this community because it is our home as well. Whether it's a $30,000 home or a $3 million home, we will be hands-on and invested throughout the entire process. Thinking of buying or selling in West Virginia? We've got the tri-state area covered. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. 
Welcome back to this final segment of the Tuesday, September 5th edition of the Spon- created WRNR and TV 10 brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford revolutionizing the car buying experience. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. Also by the Marius Cooper of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg or call 304-263-4343. Spencer, Nick, Colin, and Dylan, happy to have you with us here as uh, we'll talk college football this last uh, about eight minutes or so. Uh, West Virginia falls Saturday night. Colin was in attendance in Happy Valley. 38-15 to 15 was the score. It was 14-7 at halftime, and then uh, it was a 24 to nothing score, or 24-8 out, Penn State outscored West Virginia in the final two quarters. Uh, Nick apparently won a bet with the head man, yeah, Mike Hornby. Again, don't know if I'm due or yeah, due more than a dollar, but I at least won a dollar. Yeah. But, uh, good job. Colin, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, you could tell Penn State's clearly the better team, and that was expected. But on WVU's side, I still think there's a few positives that you can take away from this game and still can have an optimistic look on the rest of the season that maybe you didn't have. I, I didn't think they looked bad. Penn State definitely was better, outplayed them, yes, 100%. But WVU, offensive line looked all right. Green didn't look bad. He wasn't the most accurate. You want to see him become more accurate. Defense, you want to see do a little bit better at times, especially when it comes to maybe pressing guys. Play calls, you could definitely question at times. But no turnovers. You were in it for a majority of the game. I mean, it wasn't really until the second half where things kind of just fell apart and Penn State took control of the game. But you still had 308 total yards of offense. Rushing game was there. I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more. I feel like WVU just needs to find its identity. Do they want to be a running team, passing team? Because I don't really think you can be too balanced. Green's accuracy just isn't there yet. I feel like if WV wants to find success, you got to limit the passes for Green. You can't have him throwing 27-plus. Probably want him 20 or under, in my mind, when it comes to pass, passing attempts and really just grind down the clock, run the ball down teams' throats because you were running the ball fairly well against Penn State, and that's probably going to be the best defense you see this year. Yeah, Donaldson goes 18 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown, I believe, let all rushers in the game. Um, Colin and Dylan, we'll ask you this question here as we're going to kind of get through a little bit more things here. We'll talk WVU as the week goes on, obviously, uh, but if they fall to Duquesne, are you hitting the panic button like Pat McAfee is? If they lose to Duquesne, then obviously you panic. You fire Neil Brown (laughs) right there on the sideline. You can't afford to file him. Fire him. You can't afford. You, you can't. Find you can't pay the thirteen million. You're you already cutting all your academic program. You're not you, losing to Duquesne. You fire him on the sideline. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you fire him on the sideline. Yeah, that's a big. Penn I'm not State, saying they will. Yeah. I'm just saying if you did, I I wasn't going to be surprised if WVU mo- lost by more than they did uh, on Saturday. But I, you know, Penn State's really good. I, I, I felt like I was watching a boa constrictor like slowly. Like eat its like kill its prey, just kind of like slowly but surely compress in. It was like it felt like at no point WVU had a chance of winning, but Penn State wasn't pulling away, just slowly cr- like crushing them. And I gotta say, I think Drew Aller, if not a top five pick, top ten pick 
in the 2025 NFL draft. He looked like immediately. Yes, he was, he was, I, I, I mean it. Like I, I talked yeah. about it when I was here in here last week that kind of Josh Rosen was one of those guys right away. First game against UVA as a freshman. We saw that he out. came. Yeah, see how. I never said how the NFL how the NFL career would work out. Josh Rosen was a top ten NFL draft pick, Nick. So yeah, he was bust. Yes, but Joe, Drew Aller looked like the real deal. Penn State should be really good with him. All right. Well, West Virginia obviously takes on Duquesne this week, week two at home. Home opener. Let's talk a little more college football here. Uh, big upset in Prime's debut as head coach for Colorado. His son, Shador Sanders, throws for a school record five touchdowns, or excuse me, four touchdowns, 510 yards. Uh, they upset number 17 TCU 45 42. We'll get some other scores in here as well, and then we'll kind of break it down this last couple of minutes. Um, North Carolina holds on. The 20, number 21 team in the country beats uh, South Carolina 31 17. Uh, then you go all the way to Sunday. You had an upset as Florida State beats LSU, the 8 versus the 5, in the Camping World kickoff, 45-24. And then last night, uh, number 9 Clemson falls to Duke, 28-7, to as Duke Blue Devils fans storm the field on the uh, only Monday night college football game until the national championship, I believe. Under Clemson. Bowl games or whatever. Clemson's so cooked. Yeah. Davos Winnie was Davos Swinney was just eating off of the success of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Now he has just you know regular old high recruit quarterbacks, and they can't do anything with them. So yeah, gosh, that was bad. How do you lose to Duke? Oh, hey, we got uh, Jim First Klein in the comments. We got Jim Klein in the comments. Colin is clearly a fan. The play calling during the most pivotal play was bad. The four two was terrible with. <laughs> Nico coming in cold. No, that that was horrible. Don't Green I, I said isn't a QB. Oh, He's a play. running back who takes snaps. The secondary was porous at best. The D line better get pressure on, or the or they could get or they could get scorched. Keep in mind, PSU quarterback wasn't his first start. He also wants to remind everybody. Volleyball tonight, 545 Spring Mill. Yeah, he's in his first start, but he still played a good bit last year and was a five star recruit. Yeah. Um, moving on from WVU because yeah. they're kind of thoughts on the weekend of college football. I gave you the big scores. I'm big on Colorado. I was in, 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 in on it originally. Nor said that I didn't think Dion would actually. I don't know. I didn't really understand the move initially, but I think he's kind of in a good place for him because he can do whatever he wants there. Uh, he can recruit guys in and get guys that are like loyal to him. And I'm, I'm kind of buying it. And I think they're like the most fun team to watch in college football right now because of Coach Prime. And it's like, you yeah. got Travis Hunter playing both ways. And I put some money on him to win the Heisman because if he Why plays not? both ways and keeps doing what he did this week, he'll either win it or be a finalist. So you can cash out if he's a finalist and it doesn't I look mean, like he's going to win. So. If not Shadur Sanders. So he yeah, he's, pl- he's plus 10,000 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe TCU just took a big step back. Yeah, which right. is possible. They lost Max Duggan among other guys, but I mean, hey, Colorado. It's I don't have them winning already. the Pac-12 or anything, but no. I think it's a good way to start, and it's it's fun, right? 
All right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. We'll have EPAC Volleyball on TV 10, WRNR TV tonight. Spring Mills hosts Hedgesville. Our pregame coverage begins at 545. JV action at 6. Varsity will be 30 minutes after the conclusion of JV, around, or just after 7 p.m. The Nats are on the radio to up by the Marlins over the weekend. They're 62-76. They have a two-game set with the Mets tonight, 7.05. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.35. That'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. For Dylan Bishop, Colin McLaughlin, Nick Verzellini, I'm Spencer Bruce saying so long. We'll talk to you tonight and tomorrow. Locally operated and proud to support our local community. Talk Radio WRNR. Martinsburg. Inwood. Berkeley Springs.